0: So we spend a lot of time in the show talking about um, uh, shows that we really love, franchises that we really love, and ones that we think are really interested in. And I, I find myself spending a lot of time these days when I like see something that I'm really interested in, thinking of ways I can like adapt it for the show and wanting to um, uh, uh, bring it onto the show. But sometimes there's like something I find that I love that doesn't really make sense for the show, like earlier this year, I fell I fell madly in love with this um, uh, British dramedy television show called Fresh Meat, um, uh, which is this this wonderful television program which any British listener already knows about. But if you're American, um, I do recommend wholeheartedly with my entire body that you that you go and look up Fresh Meat. It's wonderful, and I don't think it would really work as an episode on the show um, because the setting is like very grounded. And I just don't know that I would have like you could make an OC in it, but I don't know that I would have enough interesting uh, like things to say about it to mine it for content for an episode, right? Like like, and that happens sometimes. So I'm wondering, Devin, um, are, are there any is there anything like that for you? Like things things that you really love, but I don't think would make sense for an episode of the pod.
1: Off the top of my head, I can't think of one I love that wouldn't immediately work, but I can think of an episode like that that's Wanderlust, which I promised forever ago we'd do an episode on, but then I realized that show is not a great place to make a character, and my overall feelings on Wanderlust are... So that probably wouldn't even make for a good episode.
0: It's like we've come so far since the days of like, the Ducktales episode when it's just like oh I love this character and I love this character and and I think these days we're like okay we can love something but we we need to have something to say about it.
1: Uh that's I the Ducktales episode is such an example for me of like oh this is this is your love of a property getting in the way of you making good content. But of the two reviews I've read of the Ducktales episode, they do end with people being like you know I think we're gonna check out Ducktales now so maybe that is good podcasting. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's more important than making a good episode. (laughs) (laughs) An episode of What You Might Ask. Hi, everybody. This is original podcast, Do Not Steal, a weekly show um, in which I, Amber Autumn, and my co-host, Prince Devon, every week we take one um, franchise or intellectual property, um, whether it's a TV show, a book series, a video game, what have you, um, and we make an original character in that space, um, as, a, as a as a way of examining this franchise and what makes it interesting, what makes it compelling to us, what makes it tick. Um, uh, and today, um, we are going to be talking um, for the second time uh, about Harry Potter. We've talked about Harry, well, I say we've talked about Harry Potter on the show before. There was a Harry Potter episode of the show before. Um, it happened back during Season 1, during the Amber Autumn Retrieval Arc, um, which happened when I was uh, having a really bad time, and I was very depressed, and I was away from the podcast for a while. And so Devin had a bunch of uh, uh, guests on um, to do guest spots on the episode, and they talked about Harry Potter. And as a result, um, the only episode of Harry Potter that, uh, that, that we've... The only episode of the show in which we've talked about Harry Potter um, uh, is an episode uh, featuring entirely uh, two cis boys. Uh, and the one trans person was not present for the Harry Potter episode, and I decided that I would not fucking let that stand.
1: I'm gonna lean into the mic and say no comment.
0: I'm not actually mad at you about it. I am, um, uh, but I do, I do, um, I, I do think Harry Potter is really interesting, and I have a lot of things to say about it. I, 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 I I've wanted to do this episode for a really long time. Um, uh, from before when, from when before you, you guys did your episode. Um, I kind of have wanted to do a Harry Potter episode. It's been in the in the background for me because it, it's sort of like this like very ubiquitous franchise, right? It's like one of the the foundational cornerstones of like geek culture, right? And now it's like associated with uh, so strongly with an author who is so publicly um against like the values of like geek culture broadly and like the the people who were once fans of the thing right it's like like one of the one of the highest rates of of tattoo uh, uh regret right of uh, as a result of this which is like a, a really interesting place for a franchise to be and, and there was like a really long stretch, uh, last, when I like wanted to make this in like early 2023, it was like the Harry Potter video game was out, right? And there was like all of the discourse about it and everybody was talking about the Harry Potter game and like whether or not it was like an okay thing to buy or play or stream the game. And I had like this very contrarian opinion on it where I was oh, like, Oh, um, Oh,
1: did Amber have a contrarian opinion? I know, opinion. fucking...
0: I know. Where I was like, oh, it's not bad, actually. And like, or like, I was like, I was like, playing the game is not a meaningful political act. And this is like, not where our efforts should be going and fighting transphobia and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um and and I like knew at the time I was like I was like I want to do this episode right now, but it's a bad idea to do this episode right now because I was in this place where I was like very uh, I was feeling very defensive and angry about it. Not not that I was like a like a Harry Potter fan who was defensive of my love of the thing, but defensive that I like had this perspective that was very different from everybody else, and I felt like I was like uh, I don't know like I like I would need to need to defend it and and. Um, it, it wouldn't have been a good episode, and I knew that it wouldn't have been a good episode, so I, I didn't make it there, and I waited for, like, several months, and I I revisited all of the movies, and I, uh, I'm not here to, like, give you a, a manifesto on, like, why it's, like, okay or not okay or whatever to like Harry Potter. Um, I know that some people might be here for that, and I know that some people might be expecting me to, like, be going into this as, like, the controversial take, but I, like, more than that, more than any of that, I just actually think that, like, the franchise, the text itself, um, is really interesting, and I think it's, like, obviously, like, very contradictory in some very interesting ways, and I think that it has a lot of, like, really interesting messaging that Rowling is not aware of, and I think that it, like, fails its own messaging in ways that are really interesting, and I think that makes it, like, really... I think it's a very fertile creative space, and so, like, in addition to, like, all of the, like like, is Rowling trans a foe, well, she is a trans foe, but, like, in addition to, like, like, is it wrong or right to, like, enjoy it or whatever, uh, you know, other smarter people are litigating that conversation, um, I'm really interested in, uh, the text of the work and, like, what it, what it means today, that's, that's sort of the perspective that I'm, I'm hoping to come at this episode from, is, is, like, sort of genuinely taking Harry Potter on its own terms as a franchise.
1: Can I talk about the game for a second? Because it was something that got lost yeah. in the discourse DM. Uh, that game sucks. <laughs> Please. It's, it's not good. I believe that. <laughs> it looked bad, like, independent of the discourse. Like, and, and, and like just uh, cards on the table. I don't think you should play it. Uh, that's more, more so where I lean. But just ignoring that for a moment, because, like, fine, whatever. I genuinely don't care. It sucked. It wasn't good. It was Baby's First Dark Souls. Like, <laughs> A friend had it, and I popped it in for a few hours and was like, This is fucking bad. This is, what, what if Dark Souls was as boring a setting as fucking Skyrim and everything's gray? F- oh, God, the game sucked. Like, it was just not a good game,
0: right? Because, like, this is the thing about Harry Potter in the year of Our Lord 2023 is that, like, more than a franchise, it's like treated like uh, it's a it's a culture wars thing, right? It's the center of a cultural of a culture wars battleground about like like all of the reviews of Harry Potter and all of the people hyping it up are not talking about the game. They're talking about. Uh, uh, transphobia, right? And they're talking about whether or not they're talking about whether or not you should have trans people in public spaces. That's why all the the nerd boys are like, "Oh, it's the it's the game of the year," is because they're using Harry Potter is good as a proxy for you should be able to enjoy Harry Potter as a proxy for you shouldn't care about rolling as a proxy for you shouldn't care about transphobia as a proxy for you shouldn't care about trans people as a proxy for trans people shouldn't exist. Um, uh, if any of those people uh, stumble upon this podcast, they will hear that and think that that's an Saying um but I think that that genuinely is what's happening here. Um, it's it's a culture war thing, and so you did like there weren't any reviews of the game that were fucking about the game, you know?
1: Except for the IGN one, because IGN takes a firm stance of never taking a stance. Ergo, the only thing they had to say <laughs> about the game was the game.
0: <laughs> so I, I I like I like I realized the irony of me like. <laughs> saying all of that and then and immediately after being like I'm gonna talk about Harry Potter as a franchise as Harry Potter a franchise however I, I I'm not some monument to justice and I'm doing it anyway I'm sorry <laughs> this episode has been burning a hole in my brain for months if not years um and my diary is not cutting it anymore so um if you don't want to listen to my thoughts on Harry Potter you don't have to do that but that is what I, that's that's what the next 20 minutes are gonna be <laughs>
1: So I'll get out my bit about Harry Potter because it's not going to be long. And there was a part of me that wanted to talk about like the... I'm not going to get into that thought. I wanted to get into it. We'll we'll cover our Joss Whedon property and I'll have the rant for that one day later. But Harry Potter... If you want, like, the better version of not only this story, but, like, this exact fallout with a writer, then, oh boy, oh my, would I recommend a vampire Lestat, because I literally lived through this JK shit with, with Anne Rice, <laughs> and her becoming a born-again Christian halfway through that series, and hating everything she wrote beforehand, and then you the fans for enjoying that sinful shit that you came to the party for, <laughs> it's insane how this is the same shit, minus trans phobia but Anne Rice probably also hates trans people uh but my feelings on Harry Potter are I got like to the second to last movie and I said out loud to myself oh wait I don't give a shit and then I never finished it and then all the shit happened and I was like I was right all of you were wrong I was correct this shit sucks fuck you (laughs) And anything interesting I would have to say about the Harry Potter, like, like in text, like the story it tells, regardless of the politique attached to it, Uh, I'd just be stealing from the fucking FilmJoy videos. So check those out, cause they're really good. Those are some really good goddamn videos. Go check out FilmJoy's takes on Harry Potter. Wonderful little video set. I'm done.
0: I-, I think it's astonishing that you, uh left on movie seven, um, because I think it's like far and away the best one. It's already inflammatory enough that I'm doing this episode that I don't need to start on the um, uh, inflammatory take or like like extremely nuanced take phrased at first in the most inflammatory way possible. Um, but I, I am gonna open with that and then I'm gonna peel back and explain what I mean in a more nuanced way. Um, but my inflammatory opening sentence is that the first few Harry Potter books and movies are really, really, really good at world building. What do I mean by that? What an insane thing to say. Uh, so to to set the groundwork for what Harry Potter is, like obviously, you know, we think of these books as being like the story of a boy wizard, right? It's a boy who gets whisked away to wizarding school to learn a bunch of spells. Um, and that is basically what the first like three books are. Um, that's the wizard, story of the Harry. first three books. It's, it's your, yeah and like the first and second books especially um uh, you have this this experience where you have this um this protagonist who lives this life where um uh, he feels put upon um in a way that is like very like normal and relatable to like a like an average child reader like it's not like uh, like he's not dealing with like really grown up horrible like like mature topics he's dealing with like his Like, foster parents aren't, um, aren't giving him enough presents. They're being too nice to his older brother, who's a jerk to him, right? And, like, obviously these are, like, real and traumatic experiences that a person can go through. Um, the the reason that they are employed here is that they work as, like, exaggerated versions of, like, normal feelings that, like, a normal child living, like, a non-abused, um... Uh, a pretty ordinary childhood will feel right. You'll feel jealousy for your siblings sometimes, and you'll feel like you want your parents to be nicer to you sometimes. Um, and so this lets, like, the kids put themselves in that place, and then um, you find out that that boy is really special and really rich and uh, and really important, and you get whisked away into this magical, fantastical land, um, which is a fun uh, wish fulfillment thing to do. Um, and uh, when you get to that magical land. Um, you find uh, out you get, a bunch like,
1: of not-Jews own the bank. Oh, that part is
0: so bad. And and I... Listen, I'm not going to make any excuses for the anti-Semitism. I think the anti-Semitism is, like, the like the worst thing in the text of these books. They play it down a lot in the movies, and I think that's a wonderful choice. Um, uh, I think the movies are in most ways better than the books. They play down most of the stuff in the books that's really bad. Um... Uh, you know, the the politics of the Of the movies and books, of the whole story Is really confused, um, but it comes out At the most pronounced when the when the Goblins are around um, And, and, there and will be I think one most of the other Irish stuff You can more or less ignore And his
1: entire thing is that he likes bombs Yeah, that's, yeah the the, the there racism will is a black wizard right. <laughs> Named Rusty Shackleford
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and an Italian wizard Named James Gandolfini, yes
1: That's why we understood The assignment, motherfucker
0: no, it's true. It's not that James Gandolfini didn't understand the assignment. It's it's just that I, there's more to say, I think. Um, uh, I think that we can make a James Gandolfini who fails in more nuanced ways.
1: And there will be um, a, a Chinese character with two Korean last names. <laughs> So when you, when you get
0: to, when you get to this magical world, um, this is the thing that I think that this, this series does really, really well first. This is the first thing that it does incredibly well is it gives you basically a series of like you whiz personality tests, right? It gives you like... Um, you get all your Hogwarts house. Obviously, everybody wants to get sorted into Hogwarts house. But it's also like, what familiar do you get? What kind of wand do you get? What is it made of? What does it say about you? What kind of broomstick do you get? And like this whole section of the book, um, and of the movie, by right? this whole section of the story is all like Harry encountering a bunch of like personality quizzes that you and your friends can take online and imagine what kind of wizard you can be and what it says about you. Um, and that is a fun thing to think about. Amber,
1: what's your wizarding love language? <laughs>
0: So Yeah, it sort of is. It sort of is that, right? It's, like, all of these things that are, like, sort of generic enough that anybody can slot them into any of them, but it feels like it's talking about you. And that isn't, like... Like, it's junk food. It's fun junk food, especially if you're, like, 12 years old. Um, uh, like, whomst among us did not get sorted at Pottermore if we were among a certain age, right? Like, I have strong opinions about which Hogwarts house I was in, and, like, obviously, like, that's not shit that I bring up in casual conversation anymore. Um... Uh, but, like, you know, it's it's a thing that I, like, decided about myself and knew about myself based on my, like, personality traits, um, because that's a really good way to draw you into the world and make you want to be there, which is a really, really important thing for those first three books to do, because what I think the story of Harry Potter broadly or writ large across seven books and eight movies is about, um... Is about Harry and by extension the readers, um, being wished away into this place that feels really magical and really incredible, and then gradually over time coming to realize the ways in that which that place is a fucking sham and is uh like poisonous to him and everyone around him. Um
1: yeah. Amber, are you telling me that we spend eight movies as a series about Harry growing up and realizing that the power structures in the magical wizarding world actually just exist to uphold themselves and are very easily susceptible to fascism, gets to the end of that and then goes, I'm going to be a cop.
0: Yes, I am saying that. And I don't even think that's the biggest way that that, that book seven fails. It's, it's so bizarre to me um, because several like like the first chunk of the series is like so fucking clear about what it's doing um like from the very first moment that harry is dropped off on that doorstep if you go back and revisit like if you watch the movie the movie, like, knows that Dumbledore is doing a shitty thing in that mo- in that moment. It knows that he's, like, dropping this kid off to die and, like, all the other characters are immediately, like, worried about him and they're all like, are you sure about this? And then as soon as Dumbledore says, like, yes, this is the right thing to do, they all, like, buy it because they buy that Dumbledore is doing the right thing because they respect him. Like, like, they plant the seeds for it so clearly throughout the series. Um, and then Book 7 just, like, forgets everything that was, that <laughs> happened up to that point. Um... Like, it's, it's it's unbelievable to me. Uh, but the worst of it is not just that, like, Harry is a cop. Like, I don't think Harry should be a cop, but, like, I accept that these stories take place in, like, the cops-are-good cinematic universe, you know? Like, we understand often that, um... Like we in the real world, we don't like cops. If you're listening to this and you do like cops, um uh, you I'm sorry you you just don't share the nice political views. We think the cops are bad and then we shouldn't have them in the world, but I still enjoy watching hot fuzz. You know what I mean? I literally um, did a uh, whole
1: podcast about The Wire.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did a whole podcast about The Wire. Like we can we can accept that like some of the some of the th- the, the the stories that we love do not agree with us on the subject of cops. Um, and so like the fact that they may carry a cop is like I think not an intentional statement and, and, and like an unfortunate like sort of sort of accident um, uh, that the that the story commits uh, against us. Uh, I think that the, the the real problem with the, the end of the story, um, is the way that Dumbledore is handled. Is that because... we forget that
1: the whole thing about Dumbledore is moral ambiguity and part of the series in growing up is realizing that the people around you who sometimes have your best interest at heart are also fallible in human beings and that Harry goes from, like, he's the most perfect man ever to he's the worst piece of shit ever to he's a human who has a bit of nuance and a bit of good and evil inside of him and overall try to do his best but was, like... The kind of emotionally manipulative and abusive to those around him, and then that nuance gets thrown out the window at the tail end of it?
0: I don't even know if I want to call it ambiguity. I think I'm a lot harsher on Dumbledore than you are. Like, uh, Dumbledore's first method of attack to solve every single problem is to, solve, is to, like, throw these children at them. Like, you see this at the end of book three um, and movie three, when he, like, throws, uh, like, like like Sirius is about to have his whole thing and Buckbeat's about to get murdered and Dumbledore's like, okay, um, uh, you three kids go solve it instead of doing shit all about it himself. And at the time when you watch it, because you're in the shoes of the kids, you're like, oh, what like a fun adventure that the mentor is sending them on. But when you watch it later in retrospect, you're like, this is something that Dumbledore could have done something about. And it's like very consistent for who he is as a person that the first thing that he does every time is he throws his students at it and hopes that they can solve that problem. Um, I don't think that Dumbledore is morally ambiguous. I think that uh, he's a shitty guy. I think he's. I think he does the wrong thing at almost every given opportunity.
1: Yeah, like when he uh, emotionally manipulates Snape into raising the child of his abuser. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Or like the time you meet Dumbledore's brother, and he's like, hey, Harry, do you know my brother sucks ass, actually? My brother's a piece of shit. It's like, this incredible thing at, at like, during, like, the
0: beginning of movie eight. Um, uh, like, every single character, there's, like, all of these scenes of characters talking to Harry, like, Oh, you didn't actually know Dumbledore, did you? And, like, all these moments of him, like, like, sort of starting to reckon with that and being, like, uh, Like, you see it affecting him when people say... Dumbledore had all this shit. He had a brother, by uh, by Merlin's beard, boy. Did you know the man at all? And it just, it just doesn't happen again. The There's just not a payoff for it. And beyond there just not being a payoff for it, there is even a scene when Harry like. Uh, like like the emotional climax of the whole franchise is the King's Cross scene, right? Um, uh, Harry dies temporarily. He's fighting Voldemort, and Voldemort kills him. Um, and Harry ends up in like this this um uh, liminal like limbo space that looks like an all white version of King's Cross. Um, uh, right before death, and and a vision of Dumbledore is there. Um, and, you know, it spells out very much, in no uncertain terms, like, this isn't literally Dumbledore. This isn't, like, a projection that Dumbledore is is magically conferring into Harry's head somehow. This is very much, like, Harry's mental image of Dumbledore that he himself is reconstructing. Um, uh, and, like what a, like, what an incredible blank check that you have written yourself there as a storyteller. Like, in your final moment, to have Harry, like... Like confront the physical manifestation of like the authority figure that represents the world that he's been drawn into for the last eight movies and seven books, and uh, like and 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 then to have in that moment Harry's perception of Dumbledore to go entirely unchallenged is like it goes beyond dropping the ball, it's like picking up the ball and then throwing it in the opposite direction. It's like a complete refutation of all of the, like, most interesting and profound themes and ideas that the series had been working with up to that point.
1: Amber, you make it sound like this is a series that would have one of its strongest narrative decisions in killing Cedric Diggory and then making an entire shitty play about undoing that decision. That one
0: is insane to me, especially because, okay, so Harry Potter has, this is a tangent, but Harry Potter has one of my favorite um, uh, time travel uh, 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 models. There's like all these different time travel models that exist in the world, and, right? And like Harry Potter and Hitchhiker's Guide are the, the two franchises that immediately jumped to my mind as being the two that have the, the time travel model that I like the most, which is the four-dimensional jigsaw puzzle model. There is no grandfather's paradox because you can't go back in time and kill your grandfather. Your grandfather lived. And if you had gone back in time to kill your grandfather, that wouldn't be able to happen. Um, you can never modify anything that's happened with time travel because you were there in the past. It's a four-dimensional jigsaw puzzle. Everything fits together. You can't modify anything. Um, uh, and you see that work in the third book where the time travel is. So the fact that they, <laughs> she goes back and writes a play that uses a different, worse, more confusing model of time travel specifically in order... To make it like a shitty point that undermines the themes of the
1: original story. Dude, A a Cursed Child is profoundly bad. Like, it's just... It's... Holy shit, is it bad? Like, just... as As a podcast that is largely fanfic, that is some truly awful fanfic. Just every decision is just bad fanfic. I think that, um... Uh,
0: five out of eight Harry Potter movies are good. I haven't watched any of the Fantastic Beasts. That's outside of the scope of this. I don't give a fuck. Um, uh, I'm not watching them. I don't care about them. Uh, but five out of eight Harry Potter movies are really good. Um, I think that, uh, uh, five is pretty lame. Um, uh, or like, it's...
1: (sighs) Is that the Goblet of Fire?
0: No, that's um uh, order of the phoenix. It lands with a wet thud, is what I'll say. Um, much of it, much of what happens in the like first chunk of it works, um, but the ending uh really lets all the wind out of the out of the sails. Uh, movie six is kind of like a nothing burger. Not a lot of import happens in it thematically, emotionally. None. None. You could basically skip it for the most part, except for the ending, which, like, suddenly, sudden things matter, but, like, it's not built up to in any important or meaningful way. Um, and then movie eight, obviously, is horrible because it, like, drops the ball so hard on all of the interesting things that it says. Um, but, like, one through four are all really good, and seven is, like, unbelievably good. I think the, like, dancing in the tent scene, when I, I, like, I rewatched it this, like, like, a month ago, and I was, like, sobbing during that scene. It's actually so good! It in in is, like a way that I like didn't understand at the time.
1: It's a great example of I made a I made a tiny video about this, but um part of why it's so easy for Frodo to abandon Sam at the summit of Garth Ungle isn't just Frodo needs to believe there is good in Smeagol so that he can believe in good himself, but because Sam has been so vitriolic to Smeagol and that it like that addiction metaphor is literally what Frodo is going to. Sam is in turn saying those things about Frodo. And like he doesn't mean to, but he is, right? That again, but about Ron being like, you don't fucking have parents, Harry, in a movie that like opens with Hermione erasing her parents from her history.
0: I like uh, You watch Hermione erasing her parents from erasing herself from her parents memory at the beginning of that movie and you go like wow what like a moment that's like super heavy and then they just like sort of glance over it but then it keeps going and you come to realize that no that decision hangs over like every moment of the movie she's playing that that like residual pain in every single second that goes by in that film um it's a it's a
1: really really powerful and weighty choice I'm not in a long in agreement but we're on a podcast so I have to tell you that's what I'm doing.
0: So so that to me is Harry Potter, um a franchise with like some really interesting things to say that even like approach like like at moments could in better hands approach leftism right the the story of like like this ultimate w- wish fulfillment uh into this world followed by like the slow realization of the ways in which that world is corrupt metaphorized by your relationship with a single mentor figure and the ways that um uh, he allows the world to fall under fascism and this like great arch villain who like represents fascism um and and like this incredible premise which is undone by um, a narrative that like doesn't understand what its actual emotional center is and how to actually commit to its real themes. Um, it's it's not that it's good mostly. A, a lot of it is, but taken as a whole,
1: Harry Potter is interesting because of it's the way in which it fails itself, right? Yeah, yeah. If I may divulge for a moment, Amber, I, I asked you earlier what, what's your five wizarding love languages or whatever the fuck, and the reason I did that isn't just because of the like self-identification-ness of Harry Potter, but because the author of five love languages is also kind of a right-wing shitlord. I believe that. That makes sense to me. So that's a fun fact for everyone listening. There's a lot of... Uh, casual sexism and christian normativity hidden in the original copy of that book that got edited out when they realized they could use this book to make some fucking money so with that all in mind i don't
0: object to creating like a character who is you know we give them the name james gandolfini i think that we can um i would like to give them a character with more structural failings i guess a character with more potential, a a James Gandolfini who could be really good um, and
1: just, uh, just, like, barely almost isn't. So, yeah, what we did last time was fully embrace the part of Harry Potter that is high-key problematic and cringe, and this time we're laser-focusing in on making a part of Harry Potter that almost reaches the potential and then fails in the final hour.
0: So I think that we start by looking at our, our Chekhov's bullshit list and we choose... Um, fairy um, in a jar. Fairy in a jar is not a bad one. Um, uh, we could do fairy in a bottle. I'm going to just look at these and... Because, like, portable time machine already exists, right? That's the time turner. And so we could go that way, and that's quite a difficult one to use. Yeah, those those feel like the difficult ones that are worth doing here, right? Do you feel, you, you feel strongly that you want to do fairy in a jar? I'm fine with that.
1: If you're more interested in seeing how we could retrofit a time-turner into this OC, I'd also be fine with that one, too. Not I just necessarily. Feel like, I just feel like there aren't a lot of opportun- Oh, wait. I think I had an idea for using fairy- Ah, eh, fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There just aren't a lot of opportunities for fairy in a jar, so I feel like we should jump at the one Let's that- do fairy in a jar. Let's do I fairy love that. in a jar.
0: I don't know how much fairies exist in the Harry Potter world already. If they- Aren't they like, the, I, like they're the blue
1: fuckers with the bug eyes, right? Aren't those yeah, fairies in Harry like, Potter? Those
0: fucking pixie things in, in, in book three and movie three. I don't I don't know if they call those fairy like they call them they're like Grindylows or something like that. Um some bullshit, but they're basically fairies. Um And as but someone
1: I, who watched all of the Fantastic Beasts movies, uh, we don't see fairies in Newt Scamander's suitcase so uh, this gives us a lot of um a lot of options to work
0: with uh so we start with a fairy in a jar or a fairy in a bottle um uh and and our character i mean we could either decide someone who has a fairy in a bottle which maybe takes us in a in a newt scamandery direction or possibly um takes us in like the direction of a collector type figure um somebody who is is gathering ingredients in bottles for something or our character could be the fairy in the bottle
1: listen i love newt scamander i'm i'm truly a ride or die for my my autistic brethren i think when you said someone collecting items for a spell that intrigued my brain far more than anything else
0: okay so when i'm thinking about like making harry potter characters the 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 place that my brain goes to as like a place to provide characters in like you could do like fellow students you know you could come up with another character to be next to our main trio for their their journey um uh, across their seven years at hogwarts uh it seems to me that my first instinct is to make a teacher and in particular probably a defense against the dark arts teacher right what does our defense against the dark arts teacher look like
1: um uh, and i think that yeah, go. Please. Okay, so here's my idea. Let's let's just see if we can jam it together. So if we're going for, like, is interesting and then fails, my thought was we have a lot of death eaters, right? And, like, people don't just fall into Nazism because asshole, that is, like, a big part of it. But there's, like outside of just people have stuff and I want it, there isn't a reason why fascism is appealing to you because, like, the sy- the same systems that have failed me have also failed you. You've just found, like, an easy thing to blame for it. There is a reality to recognizing that the wizarding system has failed that is potential to bring up with Death Eaters, right? They, too, can point to the system and say this shit isn't working in a way that's interesting. I think you have potentially a Death Eater... With some ethos that's a little more nuanced, a little more interesting, and then at the final hour they just go, ah, oh, no, fuck you, I was a villain the whole time, ha 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 ha, I'm a liar. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because, like,
0: we 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 almost get such a thing with Snape where it's like he's a Death Eater, but there's nuance because maybe he's actually a spy for Dumbledore, and then it is he turns out he's a spy for Dumbledore, but it's 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 a very different direction um, than like. And, and and almost sort of a similar thing with Draco, right? Where um, uh, Draco is in this situation where his parents are Death Eaters, and um, I actually love the Malfoy family arc in this in this series because um, actually the more I think about it, the more the thing you're you're describing sort of is is Draco, where um, uh, like his family he is loyal to the Dark Lord, and he you know is a he's a pure blood wizard, and and so he gets to benefit from wizard racism. Um, And, like, for the first few movies, you're like, oh, he's just a bully, Um, like, a normal bully, because that's the scale that Harry is working on. And then as Harry grows up and comes to understand the scope of, like, the problems with the world, you go, oh, he's a Nazi. He's, like, not just a, like, a schoolyard bully. He's, like, a bad dude, and he's doing it because there's, like, a lot of expectations on him and his family um, from some, like, extremely dangerous people. And, like, maybe we should have, like, sympathy for the fact that Draco is, like, basically being abused into being a Nazi, right? He's being abused in, like, like, this horrible household that expects him to behave in a certain way. And then in, like, the final moments of the franchise, Voldemort's like, will anyone from Hogwarts betray Hogwarts and come stand with me? And his parents are like, Draco, come here and do it. And Draco does it. Um, and ultimately, that's, that's where he sides. And you get to see, like, over the course of those final stories, the ways that, like, following Voldemort is like a thing that the Malfoys feel they have to do and also is making them miserable at every turn. They are not cool, they are not having a good time, they are not reaping the rewards. Um, uh, they are afraid, and they are miserable, and they are pathetic, and at some point, uh, Voldemort goes, Lucius, how do you live with yourself? And he says, I don't know. Um, uh, because that is the like the lows that following fascism has brought them to. Um, so I think that like having a character who is pretending to be a good guy, even though they are a Death Eater, um, and then ends up uh, being like, haha, I was the villain all along, um, uh, gets to, in some ways, um a uh, mere draco but with a little bit more um intentionality behind it and so if we if we take that route which i think is an interesting route to go i i guess my my the the, the thing that i'm ultimately coming around to is i want to have them be an intentional um a uh, rhyme for draco in some way
1: okay yeah and also speaking of performances damn that malfoy kid he's 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 acting his ass off in those last movies man
0: it's, like, sort of incredible how good they all end up being. Like, Radcliffe has had such a good career, and everybody loves Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint is coming back into things now. He was in in the Cabot again. Like, I, I sort of don't blame him for walking away because the movies were really shitty to Ron in their adaptation. He's a much better character in the books. Is one of the few things that the books unambiguously is, like, better about is Ron's characterization. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy how how good all of the child actors ended up being for this
1: yeah the fucking shout out whoever was the casting director you did a great job you, found you did a, a great job talented beep. parallel to malfoy in some way okay so i'm gonna talk and i'm gonna see if it springs any idea out in your brain but there was a really interesting read i saw on malfoy and how like the even the first book has a greater understanding of characterization because like Malfoy's hate of Harry stems from the fact that Malfoy was raised to, in some extent, believe you have to earn your place in it. Like, we are rich and we have a head start, but you have to earn the fact that your last name is Malfoy. And Harry shows up and is just immediately gifted a bunch of shit because he happens to, like, just be the chosen one. He was just kind of a baby who didn't die, which in twofold, one is, like, a reflection of Malfoy's whole thing of, like, well, you were just, like, the reason you have all this stuff is because you were born rich, but it's also a rejection of the ethos his parents have raised him under of, like, no, you have to earn it, and that's, from that stems Malfoy's hatred of Harry, and that's just kind of an interesting read on Malfoy. Does that give us anywhere to go?
0: That makes me immediately go, like, okay, so this character has to be related to someone, right? like like maybe a cousin to Malfoy or um to 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 Bellatrix even like somebody who or like maybe even a riddle right someone who who is on Malfoy's side who doesn't need to prove it but who is pretending to be not a fascist who like would be accepted into Voldemort's army with open arms with like no qualifications
1: yeah let's go big fanfic because harry potter bad let's let's have a lestrange A, a, a
0: lestrange okay i like that yeah
1: we do have to answer the question of what what's their harry potter house right like i'm not gonna go through like what's their expecto and what's their wand but we do have to answer what house they get sorted into right I mean,
0: it, like it's got to be, like, like the obvious answer is Slytherin, right? And like, but that's so uh, boring. It's so I know it's so if it's boring. Just
1: Slytherin.
0: It just it feels like it's it's reading this. It's like the like I can't imagine. Like I, you know, I love subverting expectations. I can't imagine any of the other ones making sense. Like I know that like there are Harry Potter fans in the world who will try to argue with you that Slytherin is not just like the racist house, um, but it is. It is that way. It's that there's never any counter example of that except maybe Slughorn and uh, like even that like not really. Um, his Slytherinness. I don't even know if they mention it in the movie at all. Like I, I think I think they say at one point that that Merlin himself was a Slytherin. He's not a character though in the franchise. He doesn't count.
1: Listen, it's... I love the takes four part series on Harry Potter just breaking down like. The Harry Potter houses and how Hugglepuff is misunderstood and all that stuff. And like when they're doing the real world examples and they're like, yeah, but there's a lot of Slytherin qualities that we'd appreciate in the real world and Iron Man would be a Slytherin. None of that undoes the fact that it is like the Nazi house, right? It's the Nazi house. We can try to claim
0: that there's more nuance to that, but that's never the way that it's used in the stories that actually exist.
1: Literally, in, I think, the final movie, in the fucking war at Hogwarts, the teachers are like, throw all the fucking Slytherin kids in the dungeon. They're a bunch of of fucking Nazis. (laughs) All, every (laughs) one of them, without exception. They did, if there was nuance, they wouldn't have thrown all those kids in the fucking dungeon, all right? That's all I'm saying. And hence, we also get to play in the fact that we're not doing nuance because we meet a Slytherin kid who maybe is nice for a bit, right? Maybe they're, like, Harry's friend for a hot second.
0: Oh, I think that's really interesting. You get to have, like, an arc. Maybe maybe this is, like, a side story um, during that, like, period in... What is it? Three? Five? There's one of them when Harry and Ron are fighting for a while. And, like, Harry and Hermione end up being friends. No, it's four. What was I talking about? It's four. There's one where Harry and Ron are fighting for a while, and uh, uh, Harry ends up spending a bunch of time with Hermione during this period, um, and he's like, "Oh, I miss Ron a lot." Um, and we like write our our fan fiction is is during that period. Um, Harry spends some time hanging out with his like Slytherin friend who is pretending to be cool and. Um, then uh, we get this like convenient ending where like book 4 ends with like the return of Voldemort and we get like this kid like abandons Harry at the end of book 4 and is like sorry but Voldemort's back and that's actually where my loyalties are are to the the embodiment of fascism
1: yeah our kid uh, pulls his hair back and goes see harry i've got two of them and it's just a fucking ss symbol on his fucking forehead jesus fucking christ <laughs>
0: had a Nazi offer me flowers this week. Or like a guy with a bunch of Nazi tattoos at least. It's mm. a real story. It's mm. at a train station. Dude with mm. Nazi tattoos all over his head. Had some flowers in his hand. Came up to me and my partner and was like, Hey, I'm about to throw these out. Do you guys want them? And we were like, no. Just get us out of this conversation, please. It was the whole story. Eeks. Big. Eeks. Eeks. Oof. I've never Eeks. seen a person with like... I mean, with that many tattoos in general, let alone that many Nazi
1: tattoos... Uh, Folks are out there. They really are. Just mask off.
0: Uh, so our character, let's um, I don't know. Let's say uh, uh, Helena Lestrange, uh, and and she's a student in Slytherin. Um, and she becomes friends with Harry. Um, because I don't know. They have a whole like Quidditch rivalry happening. Um, during that season. Um, and, and we can say that, uh, she's, like, on the opposing Quidditch team, um, and she and Harry get to talking at some point, uh, during, uh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, like, opposed Quidditch scrimmages or something, um, when Harry is already mad at Ron and, and they start hanging out.
1: I actually, and I don't know if this is something that's more exposed, like, explored in the books, but I kind of love the idea that Harry has, like, some some Quidditch friends who don't overlap? Because that's like a big... He's like a jock in that sense, right? He would have friends He's a jock, who, yeah. Yeah, he's a jock. He would have friends who he could only talk to in that vernacular. And I like the idea that one of them happens to be a Slytherin kid.
0: And she's collecting things in a jar for... something.
1: You know, if we're saying this is... Like, Book 4 is Goblet of Fire, right? Yeah. Okay, we could go super fanfic and, like, that spell that brings back Voldy what if one of them is a fairy in a jar just just fuck it big fanfic our character's in the main plot now
0: so our character is like part of the scheme to bring Voldy back um she's like working with Wormtongue and like these these stories are mysteries um most of them this is like a a recurring thing is um, one one of the delights of, of, of reading and watching them is that they there's like a lot of elements that get set up and that are not clear why they are the way they are um, until the like final act explains them all and makes them all clear. They're, they're mysteries um, in, a, in a lot of ways. And so this is like a, a mystery element that can get set up as our character is like collecting magical creatures and maybe even she and Harry go on like a few side quests to find them. Um, Uh, But it's, like, not totally clear what they are or, and I think this is maybe slightly more interesting thing that we can lean into, is she's telling Harry they're for something, but, uh, like, it becomes clear, or at least there are hints dropped, that she is lying about the purpose of her collection. And so then the question is, what is she telling him it's for?
1: She could be telling him that they're, like, wizard steroids. Like, Harry, I'm going to help you... Win the thing, because you might be Gryffindor and I might be Slytherin, but at the end of the day, I want Hogwarts to take the cup. And I sure as shit don't like that Edward Cullen guy over there. He keeps listening to Nirvana. Great English accent, bud. Yeah, I'm, fucking, I'm a master of accents. I like this a
0: lot. I think this makes sense. And then we have to decide how ultimately, um, how she develops and how the story lets her down in the final like in 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 book 7 basically. And also actually in the in the in the book she's actually in, how do other characters like respond to Harry being friends with the Lestrange, right? People know who Bellatrix is at this point in the franchise. Um at least it, like at least characters in the fiction do. Um so uh, presumably some folks would not be happy about them hanging out, and so you sort of get to have this like, little exchange, presumably, where Harry is like, oh, I get to choose who I'm hanging out with. Um, after all, my friend abandoned me or whatever. I don't know, do we think that any characters in particular have, like, does that generate any particular conflicts?
1: Let me do some character math real quick. So, is... My under my thought was that Lestrange was, like, cousins with Severus Black. Am I wrong about that? Like, is, isn't she related to someone Harry's, like, friends with in The Order of the Phoenix?
0: I think she is. I honestly have always been a little bit more unclear about Bellatrix's exact relations. Uh, let me Google it.
1: Yeah, she's
0: um, uh, she's Tonks' sister, apparently, but more meaningfully, uh, she's uh, Narcissus Malfoy's older sister. So she's Draco's aunt. Oh, okay. So if we uh, gave her, like, a kid, that would be Draco's cousin.
1: Okay, cool. That's what we wanted to do. Okay, my, my then my first thought was gone, and I'm going to go with the second one I stumbled to um in the intermediate where we were Googling. But I think her introduction to Harry is just being like, it's hard to be a kid with a legacy, right? Because Harry's the boy who lived, and sometimes that hard. And this is also a character who is coming with a staunch family legacy that is making it hard for them to make interpersonal relationships. And that's... That's part of it. Relating to this character in a way that Harry can't with his normal friend group is part of it. He's found a jock. He's found someone with a family legacy they don't know how to live up to. And I think Harry is very quick to defend, I forgot her name, Lestrange, to all of the adjacent naysayers. Because at some point, Hermione's gonna be like, Hey, Harry, uh, racial determinism is real in our world, and she's in the Nazi house
0: yeah um i I called her Helena as my first guest. I'm open to changing that. It was just the first thing I said, but I think you've just stumbled onto like the main thing that was missing for me for this character is like you said you you had you just like described like one sentence of her saying, Hey, it's hard to come from a family of legacy, right? And I like had this sudden moment of like, oh, I want her not to be evil. um and I think that's like the thing that we really need for this character, right is like she ends up being the bad guy. And you need reasons to desperately want her not to be the bad guy so that when it turns out she is the bad guy it it breaks your heart and catches you off guard and makes you go like oh you know uh, you like her but she is like benefited by the like the nazi racial order and she does she has announced her political affiliations at, at every moment just because she's likable doesn't make her not evil
1: yeah, her introduction is she's also beating up Malfoy, so as the audience will be like, ah, oh, what? Oh, that's perfect. I love that. So cool. Yeah, no, I love the idea that she like beats up Malfoy because like the Lestrange's are higher up on the order than the Malfoys, and that's like that that that's planting the seed that will be paid off later, right? And you think it's just a way to make this character likable to the audience immediately, but then was something else.
0: I was actually really worried about this character for a minute in there, but you really, really quickly found our way out of this. I think. Um.
1: Yeah, uh, I I feel like I'm zoning in on just like top to bottom up, uh, and it's it's making this character sing in a way.
0: So here's I'm gonna I'm gonna talk out loud for a little bit. Um, here's the thing, and 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 hopefully it'll it'll spawn something out of you. What I would want to do with this character, which this franchise wouldn't do, is that I would want to um plant the seeds of her earlier in the franchise than book four, where she becomes important. This is like a thing that I think that this franchise drops the ball with all the time. Cedric's death would have been way, way more important if Cedric had been around for any of the previous books, if they had just killed, uh, like, Seamus or something. Or if, fuck, if they had just mentioned Cedric before that, but, you know, there wasn't enough forward planning to drop the seeds of that before um, the movie where he actually, the book where he actually dies. Um, and so the thing that I, one thing I would I would really want out of this character would be for her to appear in, um, uh, uh, previous books, um, to, like, as, like, a, as, like, an internal Slytherin foil, as, like, a way to be, like, oh, um, Slytherins are bad in general, um, maybe except for this one, or, um, uh, like, she's, Like she's a year younger than Draco. Actually, I really love the idea that she's a year younger than Draco. Um, She's in Ginny's class because it makes her beating up Draco seem more meaningful. Uh, At like he's year four and she's year three, but also like it it lets you do like the the year one oh all Slytherins are evil, year two oh there's like a quiet girl peeking around in the Slytherins, Uh, and and then when she comes up in book four as like an important character, you like already have some level of attachment to her. I worry that it doesn't. It's not reading the assignment properly. What you could maybe do is say that she was around but not planned to be an important part until she became an important part. I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it's an example of because this episode has a goal of of uh, staunchly understanding the assignment. Having her more seated fails it, but it could just be like there was an offhand sentence. In, like, a book that JK forgot about and then remembered in book four. Oh, you know what works, actually,
0: is if she does show up before book four, but, like, with the, like, sort of the wrong characterization or, like, something that needs to get retconned out.
1: Like a different actress? Like how, uh, Crab shows up in the last movie and he's just black?
0: Yeah. Something like that, exactly.
1: Like, yeah, she she shows up in the background shot in Chamber of Secrets with glasses. And then when his big role no have glasses, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happens with her (laughs) because she was meant to be a foil for Hermione. But then we came up with a better idea.
0: So what are her interactions with Harry like? We know they talk about Quidditch. And, and we know that she studiously, or we know that they talk about her potions, which she claims to be making for Harry. Uh, we know that she beats up Malfoy. But, like, what is she like? What qualities does she bring to the table that, like, supplement Harry no longer having Ron, right? This is a period when Ron isn't around. So we want her to embody some of those qualities that he has in the books, of being, like, a, a steadfast ally, of being, like, the brave one, basically, is, is his role in the books. Um, but she's a Slytherin, so what does that look like from, a, like, a Slytherin-y perspective?
1: Okay, I'm gonna talk, because I don't know if the ideas I have actually connect, but... Gryffindor brave, Slytherin ambitious, Ron hath left... And I think that Gryffindor bravery gets supplanted with, like, an ambitiousness of a Slytherin. And when she meets, like, she's the one to start to initiate the conversations with... Harry and Harry admires Ron's bravery and now has met someone with something else he can admire, but it's the main Slytherin trait of ambition. She's a go-getter. She's about the thing. She has goals, and she's goal-oriented. She's trying to get this shit to make these potions, and she also is actively pursuing the friendship with Harry. You know that, like, coworker who talks to you a lot and really wants to be your friend and isn't gonna let you not talk? Like... I think she yeah. forces Harry out of his shell. Yeah, I think um You know how so like, this is Katrina like, can have a whole conversation with herself kind of. Yeah. Kinda like that. So this is um uh this
0: is the movie with the Yule ball. There's like a lot of romantic relationship drama that's happening here. Um and and I've been writing her as a female character and now she's like introducing herself to Harry and trying to have a conversation with him. And I think that um there's like a, a fun like joke to be played there where, like, Harry immediately assumes that she's, like, flirting with him, and he, like, gets, like, kind of awkward and tries to reject her. Um, and then, I don't know, like, either either it turns out that she already has a date to the ball, or uh, she goes, like, ew, gross, you know, I wasn't trying to ask you out. Or, like, some, like, we, like, you take some way of, like, aggressively affirming that she is not interested in Harry. Yeah, um, she, she gets like, to like,
1: Harry, if I was hitting on you, you'd know it. Yeah, I love that. That's that's
0: that's the best way to do it. Um, and then that, like, sort of uh, disarms him. Um, and he doesn't know what to do with that, and she thinks that's really funny. And then you, like, get to build on their their rapport from there.
1: Yeah. Personally,
0: I think that's a really good segue to I Ship It.
1: Ooh, that is a perfectly good segue to I Ship It. So cue the stinger. Oh, what the f***? In yaoi Art, the seme, or top, is usually dominating. It, it was fun. Their the relationship is cute, oh, damn it. I ship that. Hello, everyone. is I Ship It. It's the part where we talk about how characters do or don't make sucky fucky and also who we think the fans would want to see that character make sucky fucky with. I'm going a little more dirty with the I Ship It today because this is largely a children's franchise and I need that quota of being inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you're whenever you're talking about a
0: children's franchise. I think that um because she specifically says that she doesn't want to date Harry, there's a large part of the fan base who ardently believes that she's uh, a lesbian, and a large part of the fan base who ardently believes that she's ace, and there's like a really long period when those like two parts of the fan base are like living with each other for like no good reason. <laughs>
1: And then it gets dashed when the one guy's like, Hey, remember how, how to date to prom? And it was uh, uh, Jimbles McDuvaldorf, who is a dude, man?
0: It's like our wonderful moment um, uh, where we get to like dig on rolling for like a second thing in addition to the transphobia, which is that we, we obviously have her like say that this character is bisexual on Twitter years after the fact, right? <laughs> And it's, and, never, and, in and the, nobody's it's happy. never in text. It's never in text, and, and neither the lesbian people nor the ace people get what they want out of it.
1: Ooh, I think this presents a very interesting bit of, like... Because uh, the fun thing of, like, fan fiction is getting to pretend that characters have... That franchises, like, exist in a wider, uh, broad of sexual identity and identification. So I do think this character is terminally straight in the text, but I think a lot of the fan fiction that explores either her acehood or her uh, lesbianism is like just really engaging fan fiction to read.
0: There's allegedly a lot of really engaging Harry Potter fanfic. I'm not a big fanfic reader, but you know the like Methods of Rationality or whatever it is, um uh, people in my life still talk about that.
1: Listen, I love all of the fanfic that that is just about Sam and Frodo making out on the way to Mordor. Yeah, I just think there's there's something really neat about this character getting claimed by the ace heads and and writing about that. I don't know. I I like that. I like that as a twist.
0: Yeah, especially because she's like so likable. I think like obviously this character is going to get like a million and one like redemption fix whether or not she is supposed to, right? Like, the text is very much like, oh, um, uh, she's a Nazi, don't believe her. She just, she, she repeatedly announces that she's a Nazi and you shouldn't trust her. And all the fan fictions are like, uh, uh, but what if I could fix her and she didn't decide to be a Nazi and she felt really bad about her ways. And you know, um, we all listening to this as adults, um, can have our adult perspectives about how that's like a bad and problematic, short-sighted way to deal with it. That is how the 13-year-olds on, on AO3 would write about her, right? Um, they would they would use that as like a, oh, um, she's, she's my edgy Kylo Ren meow meow and I can fix her. And also, you know, she's ace and that's like a way that I can understand myself. And we can fall in love and not have sex.
1: I love that all of the tags for her fanfic are I can fix her. (laughs) That feels And like you, the writers,
0: are like, no, you can't. And the whole point of the character is that you can't fix her, but everybody's going to write about it anyway.
1: I feel good about this edition of I ship it. How do you feel?
0: Yeah, I don't have anything else to add, I ship it-wise.
1: So we've got vibe. Outfit just kind of writes itself, because you're introduced in fourth movie, and that was the one where the costume designer was like, how would you... As a student, wear this outfit. So that's up to the actress. I guess we could, we could pick an actress if we could think of one. But I don't know, like, what, what the fuck is that? Like sophomore British actors from fucking twenty fourteen? I can find
0: one. Hold on. <laughs> so my first step was looking up like when Daniel Radcliffe was born. Um, and he was born nineteen eighty nine. So I was like, okay, let's look up British actors born one year after that. Uh, I haven't I haven't gone through the list yet in terms of uh, British British actors, but um one that we can't use because it, uh, he's a dude. But did you know that Dev Fatel would would be otherwise eligible for this role? Like, there's people who you could find. Dev Fatel Never mind. He's an actor. He was in Slumdog Millionaire. Ah. Uh, okay, Don't worry about it. Okay. Yep. Not nope, see it. <laughs> Holy shit, Kristen Stewart? Huh.
1: We've already cast- (laughs) we've cast her before, and is she British? I don't
0: think so. (laughs) Also, Margot Robbie, she's Australian. Huh. These are like- like, it's older character. it's older people than you would expect, because, you know, they were children at the time, but it was a while ago now. Jennifer Lawrence is eligible, I mean, American, so, sort of no, but fucking Bo Burnham. Charlie McDonnell of YouTube.com.
1: When was Emma Darcy born?
0: Steph Shue? American?
1: Well, in times of crisis for casting, I'm going to do what I always do, and that is go through the list of Game of Thrones actors. When was actress for <laughs> Cersei Lannister born? Hmm. Nope, 73. Too late. or early? Yeah, whichever it is.
0: I really want to push for Margot Robbie. You know what?
1: Fuck it, why not?
0: I think, can you see her as Bellatrix's child? I Like a teenage can. Margot Robbie. Like this, like this, like overly confident Slytherin girl who like turns out to be evil, but in the interim is like this Quidditch jock who is like really likable.
1: Uh, Margot Robbie's going to earn her some extra points, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. You can see it, right? I can. Um, before we, before we cut out at one fun fact apiece, um, what is the way in which this character is ultimately let down in book seven? I'm not sure that we nailed that part yet. Yeah, you're right. We didn't. Here's my thought and tell me what you think of it and then obviously play off of it as you are one to do. But what if she's the first one to be, like, like the first student level to be like, hey, Dumbledore's kind of a fuck, right? And Harry's like, what do you mean? I don't understand. Oh, fish and chips, David Beckham, I'm so British, yeah? Um, And then you sort of, like, enter it with that, and then the way in which she is let down, she doesn't have anything interesting to say about Dumbledore. She was just doing, like, contrarianism. It's like, Dumbledore's bad, ergo it's fine that I'm a Nazi, actually. blah, 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 blah. blah.
0: I, that's so much better than whatever I was going to come up with. Yeah, I think, like, the idea of, um, because, like, Harry keeps getting told by people in that that book that Dumbledore is bad, and I think that having that, having a character say that earlier in the franchise, maybe even this is, like, one of the, like, warning signs in Book 4 itself. Like, this is a thing that Harry, like, um, uh, is is balked by at one point is she's like you know Dumbledore isn't even all that good and Harry takes this as like a learning moment of like oh I can actually show her a way in which Dumbledore is good and then it's like book seven um, she's like Harry I told you Dumbledore is a bad guy um, I, I know that we didn't end up getting along but the thing that I said was still true um, and yeah you're you're right that like Harry just like doesn't read it. It doesn't scan
1: for him at all. Yeah, she's like Dumbledore kind of sucks, and Harry's like, "Hey, my father figure completely ignored me this entire movie until I literally screamed in his face to look at me. He's a good man." Every time I think about the scene where Dumbledore is like, "Did you put your name in the goblet of fire?" Like, I imagine him like shrieking at the top of his lungs and like shaking Harry and slapping him, and then I watch it, and he just kind of raises his voice like two octaves, and it always fucks me up.
0: Dumbledore, like, has a lot of effect on Harry, and you really feel his emotional reaction every time Dumbledore, like, doesn't treat him the way he wants to be treated. I think that she's, like, a stellar potion student. She's collecting stuff in in jars because she's, like, helping out with that, right? And I think she's a, she's a really, really good potion student. And I think that she helps Harry get out of trouble with Snape a few times, even. Yeah. And I think that's a thing that we can like about her, too. And I think that she doesn't like Snape. Like, she beats up Draco, and she, like, bitches with Harry about Snape. Like, she gets him out of trouble with Snape, and Harry is, like, sheepishly, like, thank you. And she's like, oh my god, I hate that dude. And it's like, it gets to be another, like, unexpected moment of of her being in solidarity with Harry against the other Slytherins.
1: Damn, it's kind of working on me. I might write fanfic about how I can fix her.
0: <laughs> um, I-, I feel ready for one fun fact apiece.
1: That's one fun fact apiece. Let's get to it. I think on a behind the scenes feature at one of the like the wands behind the wizards, something like that. When Margot Robbie talks about how she handles her wand, she's like, Helena treats the wand like a living thing, like a snake. Like she is handling something venomous and dangerous and with the utmost respect. And that's how she does her magic cat that informs how she does her magic casting.
0: That's really good.
1: I think that she
0: has an owl, right? Like, her familiar is an owl. Um, And I think that her owl and Hedwig uh, get along really well, possibly to the point that it's, like, sort of implied that the owls are mating.
1: Hedwig has Nazi owl babies?
0: (laughs) I don't know that we know the political affiliations of the owl, uh, but certainly... Uh, we see Hedwig getting along really, really well with this owl, and it's like an endearing moment.
1: Guilt by proxy. Nazi, I, I was going to say Ron Nazi for having Nazi rat, but then that rat was like a person and not an animal, so now I don't know how to feel. Unless Remember when I'm they revealed that Nagina was a woman, and that was super
0: <laughs> fucked up and weird? No, I have not watched the Fantastic Beast movies, and I never will. <laughs> I don't uh. care about them.
1: <laughs> appropriate they're not good
0: i believe um this has been an episode of original podcast do not steal
1: it sure shit has join us next week when amber tries in vain to get us to talk about gem and the holograms but actually we talk about
0: we will be having brand new never before seen guest charles on to talk about she um and uh, the 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 associated princesses of power my name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. And I've been Prince Devin, he, him. Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at um, uh Please give us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, a hug, a kiss, um, a pat on the head, a, a big, rousing, motivational speech, and head by our merch store, um, where uh, you will be finding um uh, a a a human snake woman?
1: Oh god, it was such a bad decision. Oh, I'm never. It's so weird. It's so weird to throw the Asian woman in a circus of oddities and then weirder still to think about now Dumbledore keeps like a, an Asian woman as a pet and the form of a snake. it's so fucking weird. Why'd they do it? Oh, I'm going to be
0: honest. I didn't watch those movies. I didn't, I didn't know about the whole element of it that she's an Asian woman. That makes it weirder and worse. And I now feel worse about having made that the item in the merch store of the day. <laughs>
1: Well, you didn't know. Now you I don't you like do. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt when fucking- I would like to, um, uh, I would like to retroactively declare that instead our merch store will be hosting, uh, fucking, uh, uh, time turners. We'll say that. Portable time machines time. That's what we've got this week instead.
1: There we go. We fixed it through the art of time travel. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, bye, I think, bye, uh, mischief managed, fuck it, whatever, (laughs) that's
1: a I swear I'm up to no good.